everyone, and welcome to the Show Cloud Podcast. My name is Nick, and today I'm joined by Tom Hume, who's one of our testers in the pen testing team. Today we're going to be talking about everything vulnerability management, and Tom's going to give us some insights from his role within the industry. So, Tom, if you've got a second, just to say hello to the listeners and uh, introduce yourself. Yeah, hi, good afternoon, everybody. Um, as Nick's just said, I'm Tom Hume, one of the senior consultants here at Shorecloud. I also manage one of the teams. My team also manages the vulnerability assessments. Fantastic. Thank you. And welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about vulnerability management and kind of the, the CISO's guide to vulnerability management. So what do you need to know? You know, kind of what are the processes around it? What kind of value should you get out of a vulnerability management program? And ultimately, this is one of the important aspects of building block, if you like, of any kind of mature security program. So first question, Tom. So what do we mean by vulnerability management? Well, what is the, the definition of it? Um, vulnerability management, I think, is the ongoing regular process of identifying, assessing and reporting on managed, sort of managing and remediating cyber vulnerabilities across endpoints, workloads and systems. Okay, excellent. And what does it involve? So what's the what is the income as it sounded in vulnerability scanning? Or there are more elements to it than just that? No, I think just to elaborate on the previous question, yeah, it's, it's important to note sort of vulnerability management is more than just vulnerability scanning. So having penetration tests also, it's the findings and the data being reviewed and also included within that vulnerability management sort of process and programme. Okay, so it is gathering of vulnerability data from multiple different places, across multiple different assets, you know, different business processes, that kind of thing. And it's the idea is to give you a viewpoint or a visualization of what's going off at any one given moment across those assets. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So brilliant. So that's the definition. So we talk about the implementation now. As far as I'm aware, there's two different methods to implement a vulnerability management program. You've got the technical driven kind of methodology, but you've also got a risk-based vulnerability management implementation as well. Can you just give a little bit of detail around what each of those means? Yes, yeah, so the sort of technical driven, the program can be sort of ranked or categorized by the um, common vulnerability scoring system known in the industry as CVSS. So it's an industry standard that ranks the vulnerabilities um, based on scores. So it's a sort of numerical representation of the severity of security vulnerabilities. Without going too much into depth um, of CVSS scoring, it's composed by three sets of metrics. So they are base, temporal and environmental. So each of these factors can contribute to the overall sort of vulnerability. Okay, fantastic. And how does that compare to a, a risk-based vulnerability management program? So the risk element of, of the vulnerabilities is what happens when a threat exploits a vulnerability. So in other words, it's the damage that could be caused by the open vulnerability being exploited. So an example recently, a client we tested had some vulnerabilities that were at high severity. However, due to the complex security in place to assess that infrastructure, the risk was low. Right, okay. So essentially, it's around the real-world impact of you know something being exploited. So we find a, a vulnerability, how likely is that to be exploited? And I guess there are ultimately mitigating controls or the factors in play that may well result in that whatever might be a critical vulnerability not actually being exploitable in the real world. And that's what we mean by risk-based, right? Yeah. So I'll just add into that as well. There is, I suppose, as well, the other angles you can look at here would be whether or not things are being exploited in the wild. By in the world, we mean by threat actors operating, you know, maybe they're part of a, an APT or maybe some criminal hacking groups, whatever that might be. They will be exploiting particular types of vulnerabilities at any one given moment. And we can actually bring that intelligence in. So we call that vulnerability intelligence. That can be brought into a vulnerability management program as well to enrich the data in there. So you might say, actually, you know what, on this externally facing asset, and by asset we mean kind of a, an IP address or 
you know, a host ultimately. There is a critical vulnerability. However, that critical vulnerability, we're not aware of it being exploited in the wild, but we are aware of this one that's rated slightly lower being exploited in the wild. So therefore, the risk-based element comes into that and says, actually, you know what, you should fix the thing that's ranked lower in terms of its scoring. And obviously, if you were just following the technical-driven model, i.e. CFSS scorings only, it would dictate you fix the highest model one, but may well not give you the kind of the closure or the kind of security that you that you think you're getting from ultimately. So there are a couple of different angles, I think, to add into the, the risk-based one as well, which kind of makes it a little bit more real world in terms of its implementation. Fantastic. Okay. Um, so organizations, so they're out there. We work with them day-to-day basis. There are implementing vulnerability management programs. We're also feeding into that through the work that we do. Um, but what kind of value can a, an organization get from running a VM program? What's the kind of benefit to doing one ultimately? So vulnerability management, it helps achieve continuous visibility into the vulnerabilities um, within their sort of corporate environment. So I think overall awareness of types of vulnerabilities and risks are important. Being able to identify the most critical vulnerabilities and being able to prioritise the remediation steps, that will help the sort of minimise the overall attack surface efficiently and appropriately. Okay, so it's all about this continuous viewpoint, right? So it's not just a, yeah. it's a year exercise that we run and we scan some stuff. It is actually time and again, we're running the same consistent process to get the results. Yeah, that's correct. And tell me, Tom, what are the main elements when you're building out a vulnerability management program? Okay, so yeah, so personally, I feel there are sort of six main main elements to building a solid vulnerability management program. In sort of order, I'd say asset discovery. So this is obviously gathering an inventory of the corporate environment. So this will include software, hardware, operating systems, services. And this is also crucial that it's updated. We have seen some clients sort of not have these up-to-date asset registers. Prioritizing, so categorize the assets based on a risk level and importance to the business. So discuss within the business what assets should be assessed first. Obviously, the core business software and hardware should be the number one priority. Then we go to sort of vulnerability assessment. So this should consider each asset's clarification. So critically and vulnerabilities. There are publicly available vulnerability lists and risk rankings, which should be reviewed to identify exposure levels of each asset. Then we've got reporting. So build a security strategy based on identified risks and priority levels. So the steps for remediation need to be documented for each known vulnerability and continue to monitor suspicious behaviour to lower overall risk. And then sort of finally, evaluation and verification. So I'd say this is the final step. This involves evaluating the security strategy and verifying the processes that are in place. So that threats are being eliminated or reduced. So this should be a continuous effort with regular scans and assessments to ensure the management policies are in place and they are effective. Okay, fantastic. So good six steps guide there to, to build a solid program. Yeah, fantastic. I think I also I'd add in there as well, when it's it's important that when you get to that last stage, that you loop right around and you you learn yes. from the run-up <clears throat> and things that we can bring back into it and things that we learn about our environment that we need to bring in and now consider. So, yeah. you know, the frequency of scanning, the time of day that we're scanning, the visibility of the assets, for example, the way that we report it, we're getting the value out of the reporting, for example. So all these things are nice processes that exist and then we start to feed back in as, as we go along. As we said earlier, it's this continuous approach all the time. It's not standing still. It's keep going back, like you said, to back and start steps. And you, it's a journey. You learn things on the way. And then you can fix them and make it better. You get to the end. It's just a continuous program. Yeah. That's nice. Yes, yeah, so you basically small incremental improvements is yeah. what you're doing for, right? 
Okay, fantastic. Yeah. And from experience, Tom, which bit is the most challenging out of those six steps for you? I'd say something I've seen is, is yeah, having the right inventory of assets and sort of defining the risk elements of the assets to be checked. So that seems to be the number one sort of challenging area for most organisations. Yeah, and I would completely agree with that assertion. Yeah, for sure. You can't, ultimately, you can't test, you can't scan, assess risk assess whatever it might be something you don't exist ultimately exactly the unknown unknowns right um and they're uh pretty difficult things to get in around so yeah i would totally agree get the get good data into the start get good outcomes towards the end of the process as well not easy though might be added but then it helps the overall program like you said if you don't have visibility of everything within the organization you you will have holes in your vulnerability sort of management program so and like we said before as well, it's, it's um, incremental improvements, right? So don't let, of course. don't let perfect get in the way of good, I think is the, yes. is the same. Good. Okay, so we've got a program in place. We've defined, we've done those six steps and now it's rocking and it's in a good place. And, you know, how do we measure the, the success of the VM program? What kind of metrics and markers can, you know, the listeners yeah. from this? Yeah, good point. So I think the main steps for a sort of a good program. So time to detect the vulnerabilities. So um, this is obviously time taken between creation and detection of vulnerabilities across the organisation. Time to resolve and remediate. So this should calculate how long it takes the organisation to resolve and remediate and identify the users impacted by a breach or, or, or an incident and how soon the IT team resolve the issue. Then we've got a window of exposure. So this is sort of an average time between public disclosure of vulnerability and the time taken for the IT team to patch and remediate the affected hosts or network. And we've got the critical high vulnerabilities. Obviously, these are the highest risk items to an organisation. So how long are these vulnerabilities existing before they're remediated? Are the vulnerabilities old? Have they been around in within have they been found for sort of 30 days, 60 days, even 90 days? Then if they are, obviously you need to ask yourself, why are they being left? Why have they not been remediated? These are the critical areas of the network and the organisation. And then sort of lastly, how often are vulnerabilities also being reopened? So this is when vulnerabilities may not have been patched properly or gone through the right remediation cycles. Why are they being reopened? Why are they being found again? So does the remediation need improvement? Do the patching cycles need improvement? So again, it goes back to previous questions. It's that continuous, by learning, making some of these mistakes, it's going to build that overall strong vulnerability management program. Yeah, agreed. And I think there's an argument here. We've not talked about it yet, but I think culture, um, and I'll maybe touch on it now, is when you run a VM program, you're reliant on a lot of other people in an organisation to do the doing parts of it. So you can go and find the vulnerabilities, find the risks, present them to the asset owner, ultimately. But it's on them to go and fix that then. And I think there has to be a quite a strong culture within the organisation yeah. for that to happen. Without that, that's where you end up with these kind of 90-day-old critical vulnerabilities, for example, because it's not necessarily high on someone else's list, although it might be on your you know, security team's list. So I, think, I guess to summarise the how to measure a good VM programme, basically we're talking about short time windows, right? So how quickly can we find something? Once we've found something, how quickly can we can we resolve or remediate it? And it's all about reducing that window of exposure. So how long between something being known about and it being identified? The shorter that is, the less chance it's going to get um, utilised by an attacker during a, a, you know, a real-world cyber attack. Therefore, we're going to be in a much better position security-wise moving forwards. And that's essentially it, right? So it's all about cutting the yeah. attack down and, and keeping things nice and short. 
Oh, fantastic. So just let's touch upon tooling. Um, so a common theme of these podcasts that we do, we talk about tooling. So what, what options are out there, Tom, from, I guess, from a commercial perspective, from non-commercial perspective? You know, what, what can people utilize to, to implement a good VM program? Yes, there's, there's sort of a few commercial products that sort of stand out, certainly that if you can search. So there's um, Nasus, Qualys, Rapid7. They offer some good vulnerability management programs. Um this talk, obviously, some organizations will use and run it from an Excel spreadsheet. So there's a wide variety of sort of different vulnerability programs out there. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I've actually seen the Excel-driven approach before, which is quite interesting uh, in action in a, yeah. in a, we call it maybe a call financial institute, perhaps, something like that. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, the, like you said, Tom, there's a number of commercial offerings. There's the ones that people know about, Nessus, Qualys, Rapid7, et cetera. Those are, the, I guess, the, the ones who have been the, in the market for a long time and got really mature products and offerings. But if you go and have a look at the Gartner website now for vulnerability assessment, there's quite a lot of other ones in there as well. well there's our own platform. You can use that for vulnerability management. It's a very good full solution, for instance. Uh, but there's quite a few others out there as well that do similar things. Um, but like I say, it's whatever suits the, the need and suits the case. I've seen, like I said, seen Excel used before, which was a bit of a surprise, but it does exist and can be done, I guess, ultimately. You need a decent bit of Excel skills, though, ultimately. Fantastic. Okay. And just for my benefit, do you actually need, I, mean, I mentioned it earlier on around vulnerability intelligence, but do you need threat intelligence or vulnerability intelligence to run a good, solid vulnerability management program? I think the answer is yes and no. I don't think you need it absolutely for running a good vulnerability management program. Again, the gathering of that additional data certainly would help. I think certainly if it was an organization you're performing penetration tests or, or red teams alongside, then yes. Um, again, I think it's not a yes or a no. It depends on the maturity, perhaps. If you're a more mature organization, you get better value out of it. Yeah, certainly. And and obviously the size of organization as well. I think if threat intelligence will give you that additional data. And that will also allow you to build out these the sort of risk factors, see what vulnerabilities are there. Forgive me for a, not a definitive answer, but I think it is a yes or a no. Again, it would give you more information, but it doesn't mean that you wouldn't have a good vulnerability management program if you didn't have threat intelligence. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I guess it's you know, like it's probably because back to maturity, right? So Bob's tires down the road, probably not needing it, but a big bank probably would be a customer for that and would, would need threat intel to, to bring into the mix, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, final question for me, Tom, is well, where do you see the vulnerability management area moving towards in the future? What are we seeing from the from the clients now? What are they asking for that we're not doing or what, what the, the industry is not doing ultimately? Yeah, so I think this is an interesting one, isn't it? Um, the future, it's, it's hard to always predict, but I think attack techniques that constantly change, as we all know, the industry does. Threat actors obviously strive to circumvent defensive systems and, and in turn, so you've got security teams, innovative partners, sort of continually introduce new methods for mitigating risks and things like that. So I think there's a constant battle for insights and information sort of between attackers and defenders. Success in managing vulnerabilities in the future be achieved by organisations change the, the nature of the work in the field. So Analysts will no longer perform sort of tedious data triage, normalization, correlation manually. So the nature of their work, I think, will shift from data processing 
to making sort of risk-based decisions supported by machine-driven analytics. So there's always talk of AI as well, but I still believe that even self-learning, I think that there's a lot still to be done in order for that to sort of take over and, and change the future fully. I agree. I think you, I think you spot on. I think we will see. I don't think it's an immediate thing. I think in the future we'll probably see it's less around show me everything that I could ever have probably wrong with my assets and across the entire estate to tell me exactly where I need to know about this second and I'll fix that and nothing else. Yeah. I think that's probably where we're heading towards as an industry and particularly on the vulnerability management side of things. However, it's not going to be an overnight thing. That's not going to be here in like January, for example. That might be, you know, the market might drive that in. 12 to 18 months time that's be what we what we're looking at perhaps but i certainly think using yeah more thing you know things like machine learning ai i think it crops up quite regularly but i think now as an industry we're now starting to see you proper use cases for it this being a good example of an area where you could do that and when we talked earlier on about risk-based vulnerability management that tends to be more of a person looking at it and making some decisions generally speaking yeah of course and i think that's where the ai will never you'll lose that personal approach and that that actual risk yeah Yes, you. It's good to have something that is learned because it's going to learn from multiple programs, isn't it? It's machine learning. But I think if you've still got that that human intervention to discuss those risk factors, they'll always be stronger. Yeah, fantastic. Well, no more questions for me unless you had anything else to bring to the table. Tom. No. No, thank you. Brilliant. Thank you for joining us. If you want to catch Tom, you'll find him on, on LinkedIn. Just search for Tom Hoom on there and you'll find him. Other than that, thank you everyone for listening. It's been a pleasure as always and we'll see you on the next one. Thank you all.